Welcome to the Elite Fantasy Podcast on a Monday, August 3rd. I am your host, Little Italy, and our fantasy preview train is rolling on as we look at our next two teams. But before we get into all that, let's take a look at some of the latest headlines to get caught up on the day. San Francisco 49ers have signed Jordan Reed, tight end, former Washington Redskin, to a one-year deal. The Las Vegas Raiders have signed former Cincinnati Bengal running back and New England Patriot running back Jeremy Hill to a deal, one-year deal. Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars have placed Raquel Armstead, promising second-year running back on the COVID-19 list, as well as Gardner Minshew. Now, both of these players, we don't know if they have tested positive or if they just came in contact with somebody that has had it. The league and teams are not to tell the public. And also, Matthew Stafford has been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list as well. Which just so happens to be ironic because today we're covering two NFC North teams in our previews, the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. So that might as well be where we start. And we'll start with Matthew Stafford. With Matthew Stafford, it was a real shame what happened to him last season with the fractured back, which pretty much took away the second half of his very good season he was putting together. We have to remember, many were writing off Matthew Stafford coming into 2019. There wasn't much expectations there for him. He was in an offense that was led by Matt Patricia, who was a defensive-minded coach. He, He just didn't scream an offensive mind. Uh, he's not an offensive mind. He's a defensive coach. He's His offense with Daryl Bevel is projected to be like a run-heavy offense. But what we've seen over those first eight weeks that he was under center was something quite opposite actually from that span where Stafford was under center he finished fifth at the possession position he had weekly finishes of 4 13 27 fifth 21st second third and fourth weekly finishes at the quarterback position now that doesn't sound like a guy who we should have been writing off does it No, not at all. And entering 2020, I have him projected to start right where he left off. I have him throwing for 4,200 yards and 31 touchdowns. That's good enough to make him 15th in our rankings. A solid QB2 with immense upside. Now, he fits that perfect, safe option that we like to target late in drafts. Currently, his ADP has him coming off the board at QB 13. So many drafters apparently are on this and remember this. Probably the ones that were burned after they scooped him up off the wire last year because 
there's many standard sized leagues where he wasn't going at all last year. He was a waiver guy. And after he started stringing those big weeks together is when they're, you know, people were scooping him up. But then they were left high and dry after the injury. They lost that golden ticket. But like I said, I think if he can stay healthy in this offense, he's a chucker. He likes to take those shots downfield. And he has two very good weapons on the outside. The first, Kenny Galladay. Hot off the breakout we wanted to see last year. And he did it despite playing with the backup and the backup's backup. He is that big body presence that has the speed to match. That is the deadly combination you want at your exposition. He has that Kelvin Johnson look to him. He really does. He had 11 touchdown receptions, which tied for the most in the league last year. He has the talent, the upside, to finish wide receiver one in weekly scoring any given week he takes the field. He just has that immense upside. But the thing with Galladay is, yes, the upside is through the roof and makes him very appealing for us fantasy owners, but he also can have that finish outside the top 30 in weekly scoring at the position, and he's shown that. So, for the people drafting him uh, inside the top 10 at wide receivers, we currently have him at 7, so you can lump us in there. We have to be careful, and we have to expect these ups and downs, because they're going to happen. The upside is there for days, but the floor is a little more volatile week to week. But I'm very high on Galladay this year. I expect big things out of him. I just like the natural progression he's shown over the last few seasons, and I think that arrow is still going to point up for Kenny Galladay. So opposite Galladay, you find yourself, we find ourselves looking at Marvin Jones. Now, unlike Galladay, where you really don't have that value in drafts getting him, Marvin Jones has proven the last few seasons, including this one we're currently entering, he offers some value. The thing with Jones is he has that elite upside. He can finish top two at the position once or twice a week, or once or twice a season, and he's proven that. He has these performances where he just explodes. He could finish as the weekly top scoring wide receiver, or like I said, the top two. However, there's times where he'll put up dud finishes. Just like a lot of times. We'll say that. He'll, a lot of times he'll put up duds. This inconsistency week to week makes it tough to trust him. And it's unfortunate because he's got speed. He's got ability. It, you, can, you can remember when Galladay was first coming out. Galladay's rookie year. Jones was the target leader. He was leading Galladay miles and miles ahead. But now that pendulum has swung. And now Kenny Galladay is that beast in that offense. He is the one dominating looks out of that wide receiver group. Yes, you had Danny Amendola there last year who caught quite a few balls out of the slot. But I think that had a lot to do with the quarterbacks under center. We know that backup quarterbacks without a lot of experience tend to lean on those short to intermediate throws, the tight ends, the slot receiver, the backs. So if Stafford can stay healthy, I think Amendola's value is pretty much non-existent. So 
I got Marvin Jones, ranked 35th entering 2020, projected with 66 grabs, 820 yards, and six scores. So not too bad. So you could do you could do far worse than Marvin Jones entering the season. Looking at the tight end, TJ Hawkinson has went down and been put on the COVID-19 reserve list as well. Looking back to his rookie season, we love the way he started it. Exploded onto the scene in week one, but he really didn't do too much after that. But we got to remember, he's 22 years old. I think he has a very bright future in this league. We know tight end is the toughest position to adjust to, to the pro level. But the the issue I have with Hoggison entering year two, he still has some buzz around his name where it's causing people to target him way too early in drafts. He's going in like the 10th round. That is too rich because there's he's got to face... Multiple defenses this season that are tough against the position. Minnesota and Green Bay are extremely tough against tight ends, and he's got to face them each twice. So for where Hawkinson is going, I am fading him in redraft. I'm not looking there. Dynasty, giddy up. I think, like I said, his future is bright in this league, and I think he is a great prospect to target. At the position. Now we get to the running back. And we got ourselves a rookie. We were so excited for Swift entering this draft. So excited. We had him top three at the position. Top two. He was number two in our projections prior to the draft beginning. But then he landed with the Lions. And that excitement quickly, quickly disappeared. Swift is a good pass catcher. He is a good runner. He is a very complete back. He is a far better back than Carrion Johnson. And that's why we have him projected for more touches than Carrion. Yes, it's going to be a full-blown committee. But I feel Swift should be the back to own in this group. But we also can't forget about Bo Scarborough. The team likes him. He's a power back that the team, I think, wants to eat have and utilize on early downs and tough yardage so that i think will make swift more of that change of pace back to start the season i think ultimately i think the team is in a win now when like patricia has to save face he has to start winning he could be very if they finish last in the division with five wins or something i think he is done so Swift, I think, is appealing in Dynasty because of what the future, the future coaching staff. Who's coming in next after Patricia? Because let's face it, he's he's gone. He's not long for that position. He makes for a good defensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach by far. Take the pen out of your ear and go back to the sideline as a defensive coordinator because that's where you belong. You have no business being a head coach at all. So go hide back under Bill Belichick's wing where you belong. Boy, the way I'm talking, you think I'd hate Patricia, but I don't have nothing against him. I just hate talent that's wasted. And I think Swift will be wasted in year one. But where would I be comfortable taking him with that said? I'm thinking sixth round. If he's going higher than the sixth round, 
forget it. I really, I really don't view them worth a higher pick than that. I got them rushing for 815 and four scores, catching 34 for 275 and two more scores. You compare that to where I have Johnson projected with 540 rushing yards, three touchdowns, 20 catches for 159 and a score. That would put Johnson 47th, and that would make Swift 29th. So Swift, like I said, by far the back to quote-unquote target here. But I am personally fading this whole backfield this season because it just has a makings of being a headache all season long. Now we look at the Green Bay Packers. Next up, let's see what Matt LaFleur may have in store for this offense in 2020 in our projections. Let's start in the backfield because I find that position to be just as tricky as the Detroit backfield was. Aaron Jones was off the charts efficient in touchdowns last year. And I do see those touchdowns coming down. I still have him projected for 10 total, 8 rushing, 2 receiving. I have him still rushing over 1,000 yards barely with 1,010 yards. I have him catching 50 for 475. This would slot him into the top 10 running back ranks. We have him currently at 9th. But with Jones, we know there's some built-in volatility there with him. It just seems like every coaching staff, we've seen it with McCarthy's coaching staff, and we tended to see it last year with LaFleur as well. There's just that reluctancy to use Jones in that Bill Cow role. It's just something about them. They just have to always work in Jamal Williams. But Jamal Williams isn't the problem in 2020. The problem is the rookie they drafted, A.J. Dillon. Now there's a theory going around that LaFleur drafted Dillon because he wanted his version of Derrick Henry. Now I'm not saying Dillon is going to be Derrick Henry. Henry is a monster. Dillon ain't built like that, but he is a monster of a man. He doesn't look it, but he is very punishing. So if that's the case, I could see that. I could see him being that Derrick Henry role. There's also a theory going around that this could be Jones' last year in Green Bay. Dylan's going to take over. So if that's the case, they're going to run Jones into the ground and then ship him out of town. Either one of these theories could happen. That's what makes this backfield very, very tricky I think eventually what happens, in my personal opinion, I think Jones will be moved next year. I don't foresee him being a Packer in 2021. I think they will use him this year. I don't think they'll run him into the ground. What I think will happen is I got Dylan projected over Williams. I think this could be a 1A, 1B situation here. So, piece of advice... Let's just be careful with this backfield because I think Dylan's going to eat into Jones's workload just enough to make his ADP just too high and not very valuable. So I would be more comfortable taking a Miles Sanders or even a, I'm going to say it, a Josh Jacobs because I think Josh Jacobs will have 
more success, more opportunity, even though he's not a great pass catcher. He's a great pass catcher, but he's not used a lot in that role in Vegas. But that could change. So I'd be more comfortable taking him over Jones. Looking at this passing attack. Quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. A lot of stuff going around about Aaron Rodgers. He'll stick with the team as long as they want him. Hoping that, you know, his retirement timetable lines up with the what the team has. But if not, he will cross that bridge. He'll go to a different team. If he's not done playing, he's ready. But looking back at 2019, he had a disappointing season. He led his team to an NFC Championship game and went 13-3. and But in the fantasy world, he had a terrible season. Isn't that how... That's how fantasy is so funny. That's what makes it so much fun because you could have... You could lead your team to one game shy of a Super Bowl berth and you had a terrible season. In fantasy, it's great. But to be fair to Aaron Rodgers, he didn't have quality receivers around him. He had one elite talent around him in Devontae Adams. We all know who he is, but he was hurt. He missed games. And he wasn't really right until like the end down the stretch. And entering 2020, the team didn't address the position at all. And the receiver they did come and bring in, Devin Funches, he has opted out. Not that we were excited about Devin Funches, but it still gave him some depth at the position. Now looking at Rodgers' numbers last year, fantasy-wise and weekly scoring, he finished outside the top 20 in weekly scoring at the position nine times. That's saying something. Aaron Rodgers currently is going coming off the board at QB12. I'm thinking this is that namesake bias. He's a known name. He's been a known name. So especially in home leagues, you're going to see him go earlier than he should. And this ADP of QB12 is way too high. That's a ninth to 10th round pick. No, thank you. We have him significantly lower at the EliteFantasy.com. In fact, we got him ranked at 20. His touchdowns regressed last year. His yards regressed last year. But he's never really been known as that big yardage guy throughout his career. But, like I said, he's just being way overvalued. That ADP is crazy. I just I can't believe that's the number, but... That's what that's what I got here. That's what it says. So, like I kind of alluded to the pass catchers. So Adams, he's a stud. There, there's not much to say here. He's a stud. He has zero competition for targets at the position. He's set up for a monster year. I see 4C positive regression touchdowns coming. Targets should be through the roof. Catches should be through the roof. Receiving yards should be through the roof. I have him projected for 98 catches for 1,240 yards and 10 touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if he smashed those numbers. Got close to 1,400 yards, seen close to 110, 120 catches, and seen closer to that 15, 16 touchdown mark. Because let's face it, before last season, he was a touchdown machine. Double digits was the norm for Devontae Adams. So 
he's pretty much the only receiver we want to look at here. You got Alan Lazard. He did okay last season as a wide receiver too. I'm not excited about him. 58 catches, 755, four scores. Okay, that's good enough for 59th ranked. Um, Adams, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it. I can't remember, but he we got him second, only behind Michael Thomas in our ranking. So we got we got him ahead of Julio. We got him ahead of D Hop, Godwin. We got him ahead of everybody. Hill. Now, outside of these two, like I said, Funchess is out for the season. Big loss, but it was deft. Veldez Scantling, I, I'm not high. I, I have nothing. I have nothing really to say for him. He's just a guy, kind of a jag, kind of that one-trick pony, that speed deep threat. I'm, I'm not optimistic. But the name you want to keep tabs on in this passing attack, who I think can emerge, probably mid to late season, former Canadian Football Leaguer. Canadian Stampeder, Reggie Begleton. I think this kid has a chance to shine in this offense as the number two. He could emerge late in seasons. Late in the season. I think there was some reports coming out when the virtual meeting started that LaFleur was mightily impressed with this kid. He picked up the playbook very well. Now, yes. Picking up the playbook is one thing. You got to be able to have that translate well onto the field. But the thing that sticks out is LaFleur mentioned something else in that interview. He said that he was impressed by how hungry Begleton seems to be. This is what this is what does it for me. I just have my I got that feeling inside where this kid could shock some people this year and wake some people up. I've been putting it on social media. Reggie Begleton, he's going to wake some people up. I'm telling you, deep leagues, especially dynasty leagues, deep, stash him. If you got the room, stash him. What's it hurt? If he emerges as the number two in this offense, I think there is some value there. So keep that name under lock. Tight end position. Jay Sternberger, he's got the position all to himself this year. Jimmy Graham's in Chicago, but much like a couple people we've mentioned tonight, he finds himself on the COVID-19 reserve list. I think we're going to have a lot of that this year, folks, and this is why I'm begging you, be prepared. If you're the commissioner of a league, or even if you're not, go to your commissioner and beg him. I've done it in the leagues I've commissioned. I've added at least four COVID-19 spots. And for the waiver wires that run, some of these leagues you see see them run once a week, I'm begging you. If you're in these leagues, open it up prior to the game because we're going to have a lot of game day scratches. They're not they're going to come to the stadium, they're going to run a fever, they're not going to let them in the they're not going to let them in the building, they're not going to let them play. So we're going to have a lot of that. So as commissioner, of a league, it is your responsibility to be proactive. Okay, you run two IR spots, up it to six. Reserve four of them just for the COVID-19. Just be prepared. It'll make your life easier, and it'll keep your league participants very happy. Anyways, got off the subject there. Sternberger, 
he could fall into that 3-for-32 rule. But he's going to score touchdowns. He's going to score touchdowns. John Hansen, the guru, has stated that he has promised to help this tight end position on his own. So, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm thinking that's talk, but I think he's got the talent. I really do. I think he's got very a very good future at the position in this league. I think he'll have weeks where he scores a touchdown. That will propel him into the top 10 at the position in weekly scoring. He'll have weeks where he disappoints. But I think there's going to be more weeks there where he's an asset than a detriment. Now, the team did not use Jimmy Graham the way they should have last season. And my fear is that they're going to do the same for Sternberger. He is at receiving tight end, and he needs to be used in that fashion. The thing that gives me hope is the lack of depth at receiver could propel more targets and funnel more volume to Sternberger this season. Aaron Rodgers seems to like him. I think in Dynasty Leagues, I'm loving him especially. Redraft, especially the deep leagues, you can get him cheap. You really can. You could sometimes make him your last pick. That's what offers intrigue because that upside you typically do not get at the end of drafts. He offers it. So, yes, Jay Sternberger. He is a late-round target who could pay dividends down the stretch. So there we go. Two NFC North teams we can throw in the bucket because they're done. The Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions are in the rearview mirror. And next week when we come back, not next week, tomorrow, I'll be back. And we're going to go over two more teams. I'm thinking we're going to go to the AFC side of things. Possibly look at the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. And a team that mm, could finish towards the bottom and the league and win totals, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, as always, head on over to the EliteFantasy.com. Check out our contact. In-depth looks at team-by-team previews of what we can expect this fantasy season in our team fantasy guide. Go over there, check it out. We've got best bet articles that will give you some heads up. For instance, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, prop bet, rushing yards. We've since taken it down and changed the odds, but we're locked in on the early line. I think the line was like 790 or something or something real low. 715. We got locked in on the over right there because I got them projected for well over 800, pushing 900 rushing yards. So that's that should be a damn good profitable bet. And I'm happy about that. So go over there and check out all our content. I'm telling you. Rankings, cheat sheets, best bets. League Winner Series article. We got them all. Good content, easy to read, full of information. Won't take up your time. Straight to the point. That's what we're about. We're to fatten your brain, your wallet, and your trophy case. But not take up a lot of your time. And that's what we're about. And we're now on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore elite underscore fantasy. And come check out our content there. And follow us on Twitter. You know the Twitter handle, just Elite Fan Tis 2. 
So come see what all the hype is about. But that'll do it for tonight. So until next time, this has been the Elite Fantasy Podcast. And I have been your guy, Little Italy. And I am out.